I think the biggest mistake I see when it comes to hiring time in time out is hiring too late, waiting until (laughs) shit has really hit the fan before making the hiring decision. And as you say, if you can't afford that person that you really want in your business right now, there are options for what you can do in the interim. And I think people forget that and then they make things worse. So it's it's understanding, isn't it? Where is my business going to be in six months, a year's time? What do I need to support that? Okay, what do I need to support it now to get me to that place? So I'm then ready to make this hire. Welcome to Scaling Simplified, a weekly conversation diving into our knowledge of teams, finance, strategies, and startups to help you scale to seven figures and keep your freedom. I'm Pip. And I'm Georgia. And between us, we have over 20 years of experience in big corporates and small startups to share with you. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to part two in our tiny little mini series, because we have too much information to share, of what to do if you really want to grow your business, but you just don't want to spend all day leading a team. And actually, you want to stay in your zone of genius and have the team magically run themselves for you. So if you missed part one of this, I'd really recommend that you go back and listen to that first, because that really dives into some of the mindset pieces and the background to this. And I think if you get through that, there's some exercises and things that we've talked to you about that will really help you then come into this episode where we're really talking about the actual practicalities of you have worked through all of your blocks around what's stopping you from wanting to lead a team. You've made the decision that actually for you to really enjoy running your business and growing your business, you're not going to be the person that's running every aspect to the team in a day-to-day place. And actually you need to find a different solution. And today we're talking about what that different solution is and the practicalities of how you go about building that team without you needing to be there every minute of the day, hand-holding and making decisions for people. Absolutely. I love this topic because I just think it's so important. And as I said in the last episode, we we set our businesses up because we love the work that we do. We don't necessarily want to spend all of our days hand-holding, managing, and essentially what feels like nagging other people. And I think that's what a lot of people think leading a team is going to be. They might think I've already got three kids. I don't need to be nagging a whole load of other people every day. So actually what I want you to do is start to think about the way that you view managing a team, because that's where the change is going to come. You know, your relationship with your team can be whatever you want it to be. There's no hard and fast way of doing this. So we need to move away from this idea that we're literally going to be standing over people's shoulders, like telling them what to do, spending the first three months checking that we've hired the right person and they're following the rules and they're doing everything our way. I want you to start trusting in your ability to find clarity around the role that you're hiring for, to understand who that person needs to be, and that you can bring that expert into that area of your business. And then I want you to trust that they are an expert and let them exceed your expectations. So we're really changing the way that we're thinking about how we're going to manage our our team, whether we need to manage our team, who our team are and what they're doing for us. I love this. And I think the thinking about what's blocking you 
from hiring or what's putting you off hiring. I think when you have clarity about what those one or two things are that really give you the fear, when you've identified those, it's a lot easier to do this because then you know as soon as you have that thought on your head going, but what if the cost or but what if my time you know it, you identify it, you do it with any other mindset block that comes up. You can talk to yourself sensibly about it and go through why, you know, you actually need to move forward with this. And I think once you've put, done that mindset piece around what's stopping you, it really then opens you up to actually let somebody in and really, as you say, exceed your expectations with this. So how though in reality, you know, we talk in theory about this, but who is this mystical person or role that's actually going to really allow us to stay in our zone of genius and they're going to lead the business and do everything that actually we don't want to be doing? This is probably who we refer to as a bit of our unicorn employee. And this really is like thinking about the who, the who you need specifically because it's going to be so different for every business owner by like one or two degrees, one or two different areas that this piece of person needs to take over because we're thinking about your business model, your skills, how things are moving forward. So for a lot of business owners that I work with, the, the, the blocks that they come up against are a lot of what we've talked about. So it's in terms of time, it's in terms of hiring and training, it's in terms of areas of the business that they don't want to be involved in. And if you are then scaling that team further, you could essentially have three team members that you feel you need to do regular check-ins with and be in meetings with. So actually, if you don't want to be involved in that, you're kind of looking for your sidekick. You're looking for your the Robin to your Batman. You know, this is the person that understands your business vision, knows how to communicate what, understands what you're telling them about what's happening in the business and knows how to take that information and communicate it in different ways to different team members that they will understand. A bit like they're your Google Translate, you know? They're like filtering that information out to the different people. So the role that I often think about is like a chief of staff or equivalent in your smaller business. So for example, you might be thinking, I'm gonna hire somebody in, my sidekick, that is gonna sit between me and the rest of the people within my business. And the objective of their role is they are going to communicate my decisions down to the team. They are going to take my ideas and put those into project pipelines, send those projects out to the different members of the team, check in, you know, regular check-ins to see that those projects are up to date. They're going to filter any changes back and forth. And they're reporting back to me in a one as to this is where this project's at. These are the problems we've had. This is how we fixed it. This is where we're moving forward to. So you're immediately cutting down that time that you might need to have to oversee everything. You've got someone there that understands your vision and can communicate really effectively with your team. Now, sometimes we think about this role, you know, in corporate businesses, we might think about it as a chief of staff. I know within coaching businesses, there is the rise of the OBM role, um, your online business manager. And yes, in some respects, that is this role, but that OBM might need some training because this role is really about 
experience of managing projects, handing projects over to other people, setting expectations, managing timelines, creating really good feedback loops, because we don't want this person equally to be super stressed doing this all the time. So this person will have or have the aptitude to work in that area. Now, I think the standard OBM that we see a lot of in the online coaching business might not be up to this role. They would need some quite specific training in terms of managing other team members within your business, dependent on their experience. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think this role is, it's actually quite a senior role and you need a lot of different skills and a lot of different experiences all pulled together and then obviously shaped around the way in which you work as the business owner and shaped around the the business and the industry that you're in and and how your business structure works and what, what you're aiming towards and I think a lot of the time the the reason that this goes wrong for so many people is that they just hire an OBM or some kind of operations manager, COO, or whatever fancy title people want to give to themselves. And they don't, the the person behind this, and, and, you know, and this is really generalizing, there are some fantastic OBMs out there, but often the person behind this does not have the experience that you possibly need. And especially when you get into the stage within your business, you know, you're, you're bringing in generally relatively good revenue. Do people have that experience running projects of this size, dealing with potentially quite difficult conversations, you know, maybe with clients or people who aren't paying or with suppliers if you don't, you know, if you're in a product business or they're going to have to deal with actually some pretty difficult things. Are they experienced enough to deal with an underperforming team member? That's not something that you know how to do. You either need to be trained in doing it or you need to have experience and ideally both. So you know how to do it for your team. But I think just finding somebody with the right job title is where so many people go wrong because you need to dive so much deeper into the skills that person brings and the experience that they've had. Otherwise you end up basically with a slightly glorified VA or administrator. And this is not what you're looking for. You are looking for the operator who is essentially the business partner to your strategist as the as the owner. And you've got to see them on that level of business partner, as opposed to somebody that you kind of are in charge of, if that makes sense. Mm. I think if you're wanting to step away from this real day-to-day leadership, this is a role that you need to put quite a bit of consideration into because you are trusting this person to relay what's in your head to your team and get those projects up and running with little to no follow-up from you, just small check-ins. You know, so if you are going to hand over that control and even people who are not huge control freaks like me, you still want to be at a certain level, don't you? That you know that this person is understanding what you're saying and can turn that into projects, that they understand what's at stake in each project. And as you say, they're going to come up against difficult things. So do they have the experience, the knowledge, the understanding of your values? Do they know how you would handle the situation? Can they handle it in a similar way? Can they handle it in a better way, actually, Mm -hmm. if we're talking about how they're managing team? Can they bring the best out of a team? Are they confident in that respect? Like, And then we're coming down into little things like the actual ins and outs of how they're working. 
Are they on the same, same time zone as you and other people in your team? Are they available at the times that they, you need them to be? Like, if you want to step away from that leadership within your business, this is a key role and it, and it really needs to be given quite a bit of thought. It's not just, great, I'm going to go out and hire an OBM or a COO. This person is your sidekick. You know, they've got to be your ride or die in your business. Like you've really got to have each other's backs and understand the big objectives of the business, the big vision, and they can take that and kind of give it back to you. So much of, we've talked about, so much of managing a team is the way that you are thinking about your business and how you want to build trust with your team members that you can hand that over. So I want you to think when you're looking for these roles, do I think I can get to the point where I can trust this person? Say if I went off grid for three months, do I trust this person to run my business in the same that way that I would? Not, you know, exactly the same way because they'll bring their own skills, but to the same level of client delivery, to the same level of bringing in revenue and improving year on year. Do they understand targets? Can they motivate people to get to them? You know, it's, it's, building that confidence and trust in the person you're hiring so that they can then go out and further build that confidence and trust in the rest of the team. So, so much of it is, is understanding, okay, I am bringing in this person that embodies my vision and understands how to articulate it, but they also have these incredible skills that I don't have, patience to hire and train, <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever it might be. This is so much of what people tell me, you know, that they, they can sit and they can keep a weekly team meeting on track, you know, actually get the key bits out of it, leave the, leave the team feeling motivated to go out and do more, not three hours of going round and round in circles about something, you know, and they are so good at what they do that they encourage you to let go and feel like you don't need to be in every process anymore. You know, that, that you're, that you can switch that mindset and be like, yes, I lead this business. This is my right-hand person who helps me make it happen every day. And I trust that they've got my back. I trust that they are not going to lead me into some kind of cancel culture situation, like that they really understand what's going on. I love how you mentioned patience there. That made me chuckle because I, I <laughs> that's something that comes up so much of the time. I, I agree. I, I think it's finding that person with the same values to ultimately when there is a decision that comes up that you've not discussed before with this person, you know that they're going to make the right decision based on shared values. They understand the values of the business and ultimately they have shared values with you as an individual and the business. Shared vision, they understand and they get and they fully support the vision you have for the business. And then it's that special type of person who can take all the ideas we have in our heads as business owners, you know, some of them slightly crazy, but you know, we don't build our businesses without these slightly crazy ideas and are able to really effectively communicate that to the team. And that's why this person is so unique to you because your way of communication is so different to every other person. So you need to find that person who really understands what you're saying and not just what you're actually saying, but can read in between the lines and, and understand the things that you're not saying as well and then communicate that effectively to a team and, and not just to one type of person into the team. You know, as your team grows, you're going to have all sorts of different personalities and skills. And so for them to be able to translate you and your vision into 
a whole different ways of pe- the ways in which people see the world is is such a valuable skill and that's why you can't just hire anyone you have to find that right person and sometimes you know that's going to come at a cost and you know i've definitely learned the hard way that sometimes you find a slightly cheaper alternative and that you end up spending more money in the long run you know your time your energy the cost of hiring training firing rehiring training and actually you know if you find that right person they will be worth their weight in gold and you know potentially that's when you look at you know equity splits or profit share agreements or bonuses you know all these other ways that you can incentivize somebody but it has to be as you say that partnership with you and so you know it might take a bit of time but taking the time and being patient in finding this person will honestly be the difference between your business just exploding or you being stuck in this constant cycle of like working hard, burning out, hiring somebody, working hard, burning out, hiring somebody, which ultimately I think we're, we're, we're here to stop, right, Georgia? Absolutely. We don't want that anymore. We want like fun business, time to do your other stuff, but super successful. And I think what you're saying is completely right. So you know, if you know that hiring and and tr- then spending time training something is one of your blockers, going cheap and then you're saying, and I'll spend the first three months by their side training them up. I mean, it's like a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Like you've already yep. said that's the bit that you hate. So why would you do that? You know, spend a bit more money and equally for for a lot of us, we might not bring this person on full time straight away, but just because they're only coming on to do, say, two hours a day, but you're looking for this role to grow, you still need that expertise there in the first place. So you still need as rigorous a hiring process, making sure that you're checking all the right boxes, even if it's two hours a day, because if that's the right person, you could quite quickly, they'll make a difference quickly. Your revenue will increase quickly. You quickly want to bring them on to more hours. So you've really got to think about that. Although I would say, and this is slightly going off off topic, but sometimes we're at different levels of business. So you might think, actually, I know that it's going to take me six months to get to the point where I'm going to hire someone full-time. So perhaps I'm bringing someone in at this point that's great at systems and building my SOPs and my processes and everything that I need to then in six months bring on a real big thinking chief of staff who is slightly different. They're not so in the detail. They're much more into, okay, I can juggle 10 different projects at once and keep everybody on track. So then you might make a bit of a hiring shift in six months time. So it's also working out like, how long is this role for? What are the objectives longer term? But I go off on a tangent there. No, I do love that you say that though, because I think the biggest mistake I see when it comes to hiring time in, time out is hiring too late, waiting until <laughs> shit has really hit the fan before making the hiring decision. And as you say, it, it, if you can't afford that person that you really want in your business right now, there are options for what you can do in the interim. And I think people forget that and then they make things worse. So it's it's understanding, isn't it? Where is my business going to be in six months, a year's time? What do I need to support that? Okay, what do I need to support it now to get me to that place? So I'm then ready to make this hire. Interrupting our own episode to bring you the exciting news of brand new Scaling Simplified VIP days. If you are ready to simplify scaling to seven figures, this is the day for you. Together, we will deep dive into your team, 
finance and operations so that we can create your bespoke step-by-step scaling strategy. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. Honestly, this role is one of the most life-saving roles I've seen for business owners. When I used to work for, I used to recruit and build teams for some quite big brands. And one of them was a very well-known diamond brand. And the owner of that business had three PAs and one business manager. And her business manager was really her right-hand person who they would they would sit down together for an hour a day. And then that business manager would go out to the HR team, the finance team, the uh, operations team, the stores team, and relay all the different messages, make sure the changes happen, get the balls rolling, bring that information back. Because as that operation gets bigger, you need this person to be able to have eyes on everything for you because you've got to keep going with the areas of expertise that you've got that are going to build that business up. So I think it's really useful to look at businesses you admire that are further on and think about how does that leader lead their business? Because often we can get really stuck in the here and now, like I need to be in everything. I need to manage that business. Well, imagine that you are suddenly 10 to 100 times bigger than you are now. Would you still be in every single one of those activities? You know, for example, if we think about the the director of Spanx, you know, when she started out, I remember seeing this story recently. She was everywhere wearing a T-shirt with Spanx on it. She was like advertising. (laughs) She was the CEO. She was doing all the groundwork. But she's not still running around to every event that Spanx is at wearing like a Spanx t-shirt, is she? You know, do you think she sits in on every team meeting that happens or every meeting that happens? Is she involved in every decision that's made? Does she need to chat everything through that's going to happen? No, she absolutely doesn't. So I want you to think about, okay, who is a leader I admire? How do they operate within the business? And how can I emulate that? You know, why have I set this decision that I need to be seen to be in every project? Actually, if I think about those leaders I admire, and if you think about businesses that you've worked in, I had bosses that I rarely saw, but it didn't matter. If I had a really big decision that I needed help with, I would go to them. But otherwise... They trusted me and that was amazing. I respected them. I saw what they brought to the business. I didn't need them to be in every meeting that I was in. I didn't need them to okay every little thing that I did. So take those lessons from the big brands and see how can you bring that into leading your own team? Because it's really about understanding that loss of control, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's that confidence piece, isn't it? When you are working for somebody and they are not they don't come in and say this is what we're doing this is how we're doing it this is the outcome off you go you know it sets the parameters sets you up for success and then leads you on and allows gives you the freedom to go and do it when a boss is coming in and sort of asking questions all the time or needs to listen to everything or needs to be part of every minute decision it's really easy to start feeling like you don't actually have any confidence in them because if they need to have that much control over something then why do they need to do that? And I think it's very off-putting for your team that you're in everything. And as the leader, you need to give the sense of confidence, even when things aren't going well, it's your job to motivate and keep everybody going and keeping things going. And so if you're in every detail, it, you know, unfortunately often screams of a lack of confidence. And that's not what you need to be displaying to your team if you really want them to succeed, because 
you want them to think, oh, well, she trusts me. Therefore, I can go and do it. But if somebody, if you don't get that feeling that somebody trusts you, you're going to question everything and then you're not going to do the best job you can do. Absolutely. Yeah, this isn't just about us loving our work. We want our teams to love our work as well, their work and, and thrive and get better at things and test themselves. You know, I think as entrepreneurs, we're so lucky, as you said previously, you know, we can go out, we can try things and we can make mistakes, but we've got to let our teams do the same because it's the only way that they're going to push forward. But you can you can put in metrics that stop them trying things out and pushing to a point where they break the business. That's not going to happen. You know, there's you can set criteria. That's absolutely fine. But by letting them go out and put that energy into different areas and try new stuff it's only going to make things better in the long run. So, yeah. We've got to build that trust. We've got to hand over that control. We've got to look confident handing over that control because at the end of the day, like a lot of the areas that you're handing over control of were never your area of expertise in the first place. You just took them on because you were the business owner and you are now hiring someone who has expertise. You are now hiring someone who has expertise in that area. So let them run with it. You know, it seems crazy to keep it all ourselves. As long as you've painted a really clear picture of where we're going, of what the objectives are, of what we want to achieve, how you think we might get there, they're going to get it. And so I love this idea of painting the outcome and, and really leading your team through trust and outcomes. So rather than saying these are the exact, this is the exact route you have to take. You're saying, look, here's the finish line. Here's the start line. Here are some rules to play the game by, you know, don't cross this river or climb this mountain. But other than that, you can get there however you want. What are some of the benefits in shifting this approach? And obviously, this is an approach where you have that right hand person. You have to you have to do this because you can't be part of everything. But what are some of the benefits that you'll find to the business if you really change your mindset around this? Okay, so if we are hiring with that finish line, in in mind the outcome in mind then we're starting to hire for autonomy you know we're, we're hiring because we don't want to over egg the management we're hiring people that can get there under their own steam and then when we start to hire for employees that have a really clear understanding of the desired outcomes they understand where we want to get to we can then give them that freedom to work out how they're going to get there then they're much more self-reliant, way more proactive because they're looking for more fun, more appealing, better routes to get there. They're fully taking ownership of their work. And that in itself requires so much less check-in from us. We can step away from that everyday management that we didn't want. It also means that we're really empowering our teams. You know, if we are creating outcome-driven roles, then we're asking our employees to make the decisions to solve the problems that get us to that outcome. We're asking them to be independent. We're encouraging them to think about, okay, how do I get there? Like, or what skills am I missing to, to get to that point? Maybe I could ask for some training on this. Maybe I need to develop this. Like, what else do I need to, to make that objective? You know, how can I reduce needing to ask if I'm on the right track? Like, can I set parameters every 50 miles instead of every one and a half miles that I check back in on, you know? Like, how can they take ownership and reduce 
the need to check in with you all the time. And this really ties in as well to accountability, doesn't it? You know, if you're empowering somebody to make these decisions and you're giving them the autonomy, you also need to have that accountability in place that this is what we've set out. And you now as this team member, you're, you know, you're responsible for hitting this specific target or delivering this result. And I think that accountability gives real clarity to your team. If they know exactly what they're responsible for and what's expected of them, then it makes their job so much easier because they can do it in a way that suits them and works for them and for their skills and knowledge and experience. But ultimately, they're still very clear on what what is good looking like and what is bad looking like. And I think people need that clarity. And, and setting expectations as well, you know, in giving an outcome-based result, as opposed to being like, here are all the steps you need to take. You're being really clear with people and you're saying, this is what we expect of you. Here are the KPIs that we're going to judge your performance on. So it allows somebody to focus on actually what matters rather than on what they think matters because you're giving them every little step their expectations are changing every day because you've given them like the next step on the ladder of how to get to the end result, but they don't actually really understand the end result. So of course, their expectations are going to be changing all the time because they don't actually know where they're aiming for and quite what they're responsible for. And I think in giving people that space and freedom and being really clear in terms of like what their accountability is and what your expectations of them is in terms of their work and their behaviors it makes it a lot easier for them to go out and do good work absolutely which means you don't have to micromanage so much which is what we want like none of us want to be micromanaging I I don't think anybody relishes the idea of micromanaging even the most control orientated of us would rather not have to do it So if we can shift our focus to the outcome, it means that instead of evaluating every day, we can look at their overall performance and kind of take that step back and see if we're getting to the desired result. I know you love my ridiculous analogies, but instead of somebody recapping each page of the book they're reading for you, we could just get a recap at the end of the chapter, like a little overview so that we know we're still moving along in the in the story getting to the direction that we want to which also makes time so much more efficient for you as the business owner you can allocate time much more effectively if you don't have to be in every single little task and every minute of everything but it also means we can start planning way more strategically because our team are used to thinking ahead they're thinking ahead about the business development the growth initiatives how things can change what will it look like when we get to here again like with the idea of this is where we want to get to imagine you were driving there and every 100 meters you had to stop and kind of lean out the window and be like hey are we still on the right track brilliant okay i'll keep going it would take so much time much better to know where you want to go and then you can start to say hey, actually, if we drive at this speed, it's so much more efficient or these faster roads are a better way of getting there or whatever it is. My analogies have gone like off track now, (laughs) but you know what I mean. (laughs) I love that. And you know something as well, I think that when it comes to focusing on the outcome rather than like every step in the journey, it gives your team so much more space to develop the skills and really hone those skills that they're good at. And it really motivates them to find new solutions, innovative innovative solutions, 
use their own skills to do something completely differently potentially to what you would have done that's actually really helping them you know sit in their zone of genius and helping your business and I think also you know when you say to somebody this is what we're trying to achieve and this is where we are now it's a lot easier to then have the conversation with somebody you know actually I could really do with some help in xyz you know and and it helps people identify maybe areas that they're not so good in or areas that you're like actually for you to get to this outcome I think it would be really helpful if we got you some extra training in whatever it might be when you're stepping somebody through like each milestone it's really easy to actually miss chunks in their understanding because things are so close together you don't see the big gap and they potentially don't see the big gap because they're kind of being spoon-fed the whole way and you know team members want to learn and develop and and learn new things and try new things and fail in a safe environment so if you allow them to do that it really enhances their abilities taking forwards and and you know not only to mention the confidence that they get and when somebody has been given a, a task that it's quite a big task. And then they succeed successfully in doing it. The confidence you give that person to then tackle their next big task for you is amazing. And you'll find that your team will grow so much faster than if you treat them kind of like idiots and you like tell them exactly, you know, how to make each set. That's not going to motivate them at all. And ultimately, you know, when you have teams that are able to grow and they learn from each new thing and then they're able to take those lessons into the next stage, that's really when then you can achieve the scalability within your business. You can add in more team members in similar roles and take the additional innovation and ideas. It also means that people become really confident in what they're doing. So it means that they can train other people in that area, support other people. So again, you're taking the pressure off you. You're allowing your team to help shape new people coming in and help spread the values and the vision of the business. And then that whole hiring onboarding process becomes so much easier so much less stressful for you so it's really if you can get over that first step then you find you've like actually created a little machine that continues to work in your favor as you grow absolutely and it's basically a bigger version of when you first think about hiring and delegating so when you first think about hiring and delegating you think what what are my to-do list does not need to be me what are the tasks that i'm holding on to that actually as i move the business forward do not need to be me anymore outside of my zone of genius. And it's kind of the same with when you're hiring a team. Like what in that kind of continuous recruitment cycle does not need to be me? Like after the first hire, after you've got, say, your OBM or your uh, chief of staff, do you actually really need to be involved in the hiring process? Do you just need to meet them on the final interview to to know who's coming into your business, to like just double check that no areas have been missed. You know, do you need to be in that involved in that training? What does your team need to know to do a good job of handing over to more team? Like what are the essentials that everybody needs to understand within the business? And normally that is around the values. It might be around These are the guidelines that we use when we're making a decision. So I want you to think about when you're asking yourself, how do I grow my business when I don't need, when I don't want to lead a team? Firstly, what is stopping me? Like what's, what's making me hesitant about leading a team and how do I move past that? Remembering that there are no rules. This is your business. You can design it however you want. 
So who do you need to bring in that's going to fit with your way of being involved in your team's life? Thank you for listening to Scaling Simplified with me, Pip Harland. And me, Georgia Fitzgerald. If you've loved this episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We love it when you get in touch. So head to the show notes and drop us a DM or send us an email. We want to hear all about your business.